You're on Radio 1, 91 FM, your weekly politrix show. And uh, school holidays got the better of us. But um, so this isn't as, you know, as fresh as it would have been, say, last week. But in a way, it's good because uh, it was a very confusing situation and a lot has happened since then. So uh, now we get to give a little more uh, erudite analysis with some hindsight. Uh, we're joined by Professor William Harris of the Otago Politics Department, our resident turkey expert. And, uh, you know, it always comes in handy to have a turkey expert uh, when there's an unexpected coup that yeah. takes place. Um, what's, what's your take? Well, like, what do you think actually happened there? Well, I, I, I think this is still, still a bit difficult to say. Uh, Erdogan, President Erdogan, uh, blames uh, the uh, the alternative Islamist camp, shall we call it, the, the Gulenists. Gulenists. Uh, and it does. I mean, they they have worked to infiltrate the judiciary and the bureaucracy and the police. There's no. There's no. And initially, Erdogan was really happy about that, and he was a beneficiary well, of that. Back in 2002, they were allies. Yeah. And their target was the military uh, and the secularists. Uh, but of course, by about and the, and the Gulenists were sort of the pit bull terriers in chasing the military and those uh, well, what turned out to be fake fake coup accusations. This is Energon. Agenicon. Agenicon, yeah, I don't know. Balyoz, Sledgehammer, these, these cases in which the military was supposed, senior officers were supposed to have been involved in all sorts of plots to overthrow the government. Erdogan's been purging the military since before it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and the Gulenists, the Gulenists dominated the prosecution service in the, in the pursuit of those cases. Uh, and they were very useful to Erdogan at that point, uh, but after that, of course, uh, there wasn't there wasn't that enemy and there wasn't that uh, co joint enemy anymore. You might say in the domestic arena, mm. uh, and the Gulenists disagreed, or Fetala Gulen, who, as you know, sits in Philadelphia or somewhere near Philadelphia these days. Uh, he. Um, how can I put it? Uh, where was I? Well, the, in, in the the prosecution, oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, he after after that was all over. Yeah, uh, he got off he got off side with uh, his people got off side with Erdogan because uh, they disagreed with him about the secret contacts. This is ironic that Erdogan and the intelligence organization under Hakan Fidan, the, the intelligence chief, were having with the PKK. And Gulen, Gulen's people said, what's going on here? We need to know more, and what are you doing, etc. And Erdogan didn't appreciate that sort of probing. Uh, and there was also a disagreement over that uh, sending of that ship to Gaza oh, right. to break the blockade. The Gulenists weren't happy with, uh, with that either. Uh, and and then along came the Gezi Park protests. This is all 2011, 12, 13. And then mm. in two, 2013, we have the Gezi Park protests where Erdogan cracked, uh, I mean, the the security police, etc., cracked down on all those demonstrators. 
and the Gulenists went uh, against uh, Erdogan on that one. And then a few months, within a few months, they were accusing senior people in the government, uh, Erdogan's own son, of uh, large-scale corruption, hiding money here and there, um, you know, you, that, that sort of thing. And then Erdogan decided he would take them on. and. Uh, then you started to hear all the talk about the parallel state structure that the Gulenists were supposed to have set up and to a substantial extent did set up uh, and Erdogan went for them in the judiciary uh, and in the and and in the police force and that sort of thing and there was the rooting of them out and this is all leading I think leading up to the coup uh, now the degree to which the Gulenists infiltrated the military is an interesting question because the military itself back 10-15 years ago uh, and further back was always suspicious of the Gulenists as a sort of Islamists by stealth. Now it's interesting when it comes to the Gulenists because um, there's a lot of allegations you know that uh, Fatullah Gulen is protected by the CIA. He was brought to America, he has high-level contacts with American intelligence agencies, of course, vis-a-vis uh, -vis NATO, the Turkish military is also supposed to have high-level yeah. contacts with the American intelligence apparatus. How can both of those things be true and then be opposing forces? Well, I don't, I don't really think it is true. Okay, there's the answer. <laughs> I don't think... Uh I don't think Gulen has anything like that sort of penetration and influence with the CIA and so forth. And okay. Or the CIA using him. Uh, this I is. Mean, I mean, fundamentally, we we don't know. Sure, but, but this is uh, a current Erdogan beat up is, that the CIA yeah, is protecting and this him. Is, this and is a standard thing coming out of Turkey to to dump suspicion out of people, of it, the Erdogan people and so forth, to dump suspicion on the West to say that this is a, a large-scale plot of Western powers to get at because they criticize him over, over his trend towards authoritarianism uh, and obviously his relations with Obama are not good. Uh, and haven't been for some time, and that therefore the United States must be involved in stirring within the military. And, and he's pissed off at Obama so because he called off the airstrikes on Syria. I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, well, this is going back to 2012, 2013, when, when, when Turkey decided that it wanted to get rid of Bashar, when, when Erdogan's Turkey decided it wanted to get rid of Bashar al-Assad and, uh, and, and support the opposition in, in, in Syria, but wasn't prepared to commit the hard power mm. that you need. Well, was and then wasn't and then was and then wasn't again. Well, it sort of swayed all over the place from day to day. Yeah. And no, but nobody could tell where Turkey was at some points. Well, because Turkey, Turkey's been trying through this thing to wants to get, I mean, here we're talking, well, I'm talking, and saying Turkey, we're talking about the present Erdogan, AKP Turkey. AKP yeah. Turkey. Yeah. AK Party Turkey. Uh, want to get rid of Bashar al-Assad, but at the same time to continue great relations with Bashar al-Assad's allies, Iran and Russia. Yeah. Which, which is a difficult combination. I mean, and to deal to the Kurds to all at the same time. <laughs> to have one face in one direction and a totally different face in another direction. And have a mutual enemy of Assad in the form of the Kurds. Just just coming yes, from well, just coming from that, um, I'm sure you heard about the story that uh, the there was a there's a party in 
uh, Turkey, who was uh, supposedly acting as a back channel for Erdogan's government to Assad. Um, what came of that? There was there were these reports that there was, you know, they were starting to basically talk with Assad about, you know. Yeah, well, this is a question that I yeah, had as well because immediately preceding the coup, there was a flurry of diplomatic activity on yeah. behalf of Turkey that seemed unprecedented rapprochement with Israel Russia, apologizing Russia. over the shootdown of the fighter yeah, jet, yeah. and then yeah, the uh, recognition that. Assad might be the most stable force within Syria. Uh, not so much. I, 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 I'm not sure I see it that way. I mean, the, the rapprochement was... I mean, you've, you've mentioned Russia, and it was also Israel. Mm. Uh, it was making up with Israel as well. I mean, Erdogan even said... Uh, and, and that wasn't new. It was months before when Erdogan came back from a trip to Saudi Arabia, and the Saudis were obviously at work here. Uh, said to journalists to some shock that uh, we need Israel yeah and Israel Israel is important to what the sort of Middle East we want to see and that sort of thing and Erdogan took that stance which was a complete complete change from or from from two or three years of outright hostility to the Israelis well and that conspiratorial narrative of oh the US wants to get rid of me and the CIA backs Gullen uh, surrounds this idea that um, he was mending ties with Putin and therefore the timing, you know, was important. But it's confusing because in the, you know, the Syrian war theater, you've got Israel and Russia kind of, um, you know, not supposedly doing much, but really on opposite sides. And well, we have, how can we have, Turkey we have reproach a whole both set of them? Of, of important Middle Eastern actors, the Israelis, the Saudis, the Russians, who are all offside with Obama's administration. Mm. Uh, and and Turkey is in, and Turkey also fits into that into that arrangement. So Turkey was sort of, a, in a in a way, adjusting to its sort of natural partners. I mean, Erdogan had been running this campaign against the Israelis for two or three years, but that was looking increasingly hollow. Yeah, and that uh, was more just for domestic political. At a certain point, to at a certain point, uh, that he would switch over. And that was just for domestic political point scoring, basically, because the Palestinians. He's an Islamist. I mean, is that? Well, fair I think. To say? I think. I mean, making up for the Israelis was because uh, I mean, Turkey has found obviously found Syria very complicated to deal with. Uh, and has common interests, I think, with the Israelis in 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 seeing some sort of Syria emerge that isn't that isn't um, from the Israeli point of view dominated by the Islamists, or from the Turkish point of view either the Islamists or or the Kurds in the north. Um, and, and so I think there's some common commonality between Israel and, and Turkey, some natural commonality in, in their outlook on what's happening in Syria. And that then includes the Saudis. It doesn't include the Russians, obviously, because the Russians are with, with, uh, with the Syrian regime. But when you're talking about uh, being offside with the American administration, then it does include the Russians. Right. Uh, so, uh, so would that not give credence that's, that's, to the idea that the U.S. would have an interest in the political situation in Turkey all of a sudden, more so? Well, of course the U.S. has an interest in the political situation in Turkey, but it's a big step from that to go to say sure. that the U.S. is involved inside the military to promote a coup against Erdogan. Usually when the U.S. gets involved in coups, they succeed. <laughs> 
I suppose. I, I suppose. I mean, uh, this this one was not all that far off succeeding. I mean, if they had if they had devoted more of their concentration to laying hold of Erdogan right at the very beginning, certainly that would have that may have been. But his plane uh, seemed to circle around uh, Istanbul uh, for some time. When the impression you got was once he'd had his chance to get on CNN Turk, mm. they couldn't uh, kill him. Yeah, but, uh, and got and made this outreach, assisted by social media, to his crowds, uh, and they turned out that the yeah. coup people lost their nerve from that point yeah. onwards, and that yeah. happened quite quickly during the night. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. in a matter of hours. I mean, uh, most it's mainstream a, media sources were presenting it as a yeah. successful there were, there were coup. Two questions you asked, which we didn't quite tie up. Sure. One was one was the business of the background to the coup. And I was saying that I was uncertain, remain uncertain about that because of uncertainty about who exactly we're talking about in the military. Mm. And I think in recent years there has been some ghoulinist penetration of the military, even though the military before that, and certainly the secularists of the military, which are the dominant part of the military, don't like the ghoulinists. But it seems they have... I mean, it seems they have managed to gain some ground there, but I don't. I doubt that it was just them. Right. There, there's also the. There's also a lot of people who who are very hostile towards Erdogan and the military because of because of those fake trials and things. Yeah. And and which have all been wound up now. And, the and people, they're supposed and the released. And their historical supposed yeah. role as secular guardians of the republic. Um, but but I think what was happening was that uh, there was going to be a meeting of the higher military council at the in August sometime to demote demote us decide on resignations decide on retirements all that sort of thing decide on promotions or non promotions and 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 that would have that the one of the one of the interpretations is that that would affect it would have, have affected a lot of these people that they were going to be targets right so that the, the was, purge was kind was of already lined up the, the, there was a desire to preempt that mm. that's one story yeah but but i have to emphasize that uh we still we still lack critical information about because this was quite it seems quite widespread in the military I mean, the chief of staff was was ta was 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 rounded on by his own military secretary, for example, mm. who seems to have been a ghoulinist. Right. Uh, and and of course, the chief of that the, the the chief of staff would not read out this statement that the coup people wanted to force him at gunpoint to read out this sort of thing. And you obviously had a significant penetration by the coup people of the air force and the gendarmerie. Uh, and some major land force elements. So it was quite wide. It seems to have been quite widespread in the military. Uh, and you have the, the sacking of, or detention and sacking of something like a third of the of the higher officer corps. So this was obviously a su substantial so phenomenon, and 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 took on extra resonance for Turks, because the parliament had never been bombed before. Yes. I mean, yeah. the previous coups had not done stuff like that. Imagery. But that so, was kind um, of a desperate last gasp, almost, it seemed like. What were you going to say? So, so, and there was the, other, the other question, if you don't mind, sure. that, that, that you brought up was the matter of, um, of, of rumors about uh, Turkey possibly taking a new view of Assad. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm... I'm doubtful about that up to now. 
Although, although given Erdogan's flip flops and 180 degree swerves, anything and so forth, could happen. Practically, practically anything, uh, and the rest of what we see on this planet at the moment, practically anything comes into the realm of the possible. Yeah. Um, I my trying to be logical about this, I would have said that they have committed themselves so, so much against Assad, are so much online and all their stuff about how many people have been killed and that he's a war criminal, which he is, of course. Uh, I, I, I absolutely agree with Erdogan and all that. Um, but having, having put that tremendous investment in, in public relations terms against Assad, it's a, which, is, which is more than what they've done vis-a-vis -vis the Israelis or their contretemps vis-a-vis the Russians, etc. I mean, to turn to, turn to, to favour Assad in a in a in a continue in a new Syrian regime, uh, is a is a bigger swerve than any of those other swerves. It's a huge swerve. It raises questions about where the hell was Erdogan for all these years when he's followed a quite different tack. Yeah, uh, much more than deal it, much more than the than the swerve about Russia or the swerve about Israel. Sure. So, so that's that would be a really big deal. Mm. Uh, and I would also be a bit suspicious about about things that are put out about this because, I mean, obviously the Russians and Assad's people have an interest in floating disinformation. Sure. Uh, and and they do have friends in Turkey. I mean, the, um, for example, the Republican People's Party at one point sent a delegation to Assad. Uh, to chat with him, which, which, uh, to to put a stick into Erdogan, put a put a little prod into Erdogan, um, and and from that you can see that there are there are there are there are people there are quite a few people in Turkey, particularly in the more secular and camp, and obviously amongst Alevis. Uh, who have a different view of Assad from from what Erdogan? Does. Well, yeah, there's a domestic yeah. anti-war opposition as there anti would be in any country. Opposition and yeah. also some degree of feeling of commonality, perhaps between between some Alevis and the Alawites of Syria, even though they're quite different. Mm. I mean, they're actually quite different religious religious phenomena, uh, but but of course they're both of some vague Shia, mm. some vague Shia extraction. Mm. Um, and of course there's this overall tone of Sunni vis-a-vis -vis Shia right across the Middle East. So, right. so, so there are people, there is a substantial body in Turkey that, do, that doesn't want to be involved in Syria, that doesn't like, does, regards and with some justice, his policies is totally unviable mm. uh, because of he, he he wasn't at an early stage prepared to have anything any hard power. He he was hoping Obama. That's a brings yeah. another. <laughs> that's another loose end we didn't quite tie up. Um, he, Erdogan expected Obama to exercise hard power on his behalf, and of course that was never going to happen. Yeah, I think uh, Obama was expecting Erdogan to be the one to send the boots possible, on the ground. That's yeah. possible, although I, d I don't have evidence for that. But uh, but it is possible that, so, that the U.S. expected Turkey to to at an earlier stage to exert itself more forcefully in the arena. So they so maybe they each expected the other to do the hard. It's like hard. one of those awkward sitcom situations. Oh, I thought you were bringing the guys. <laughs> yeah, and then of course when when that didn't happen. Uh, it was, and we're talking here about getting into 2013. Um, it was then that 
I mean, from that point on was that there was a degree of, what shall we call it, laxity or relaxation about jihadists mm. crossing, mm-hmm. crossing Turkey. Sure. that was yeah. an instrument. The new strategy. That was an instrument against Assad. Yeah. Um, which was a which of course turned out not very well. Mm. That turned that uh, didn't bring us to ISIS because uh, I mean I I don't think you can say more than than that relaxed response vis-a-vis jihadists crossing its territory from Turkey. Uh, that relaxed res- somewhat relaxed response about jihadists from Turkey that did not found ISIS. No, that was more an Iraqi uh, situation. That was an Iraqi and Syrian regime situation as well, yeah. which which Turkey, Turkey and Saudi Arabia in my view cannot really be blamed for as as in the in the origins except I mean obviously if we talk about Saudi Arabia the the whole Wahhabist uh, ideology mm. which feeds into jihadism in general, but in more specific terms I don't think Saudi Arabia can be can be blamed for ISIS. Yeah, uh, and I guess any of the direct war material originally went to more moderate groups that were then absorbed into ISIS, so it wasn't yeah, a direct or, or gift. taken over by, or, or beaten up by Jabhat al-Nusra, which is the other jihadist outfit, Yeah, uh, which is the one that still has this official connection with al-Qaeda, and by the way, they seem to be these days looking at that connection and maybe looking at cutting it. Right. Uh, because, of course, at the same time, the Russians and Americans are getting together about it, about jointly, <coughs> jointly bombing... Such a strange patchwork of alliances. Jointly bombing uh, Jabhat al-Nusra, yeah. which, of course, is located in the rebel areas of Syria. Not the, uh, And I'm not counting ISIS here. ISIS has its area. And the rebels against the Syrian regime, which are not ISIS, mm. uh, have their areas. And Jabhat al-Nusra, which is linked to al-Qaeda, has its presence in those rebel areas. And, of course, the Russians have been just a little bit constrained and going flat-out bombing in those areas because the Americans are worked up about Russians bombing people that are linked to the United States, moderates, yeah. so-called so very convoluted, mild, mild Islamists, that sort of thing. And the, the, the Russians want to deal with the U.S., but which basically means the Russians can bomb wherever they like in the rebel areas and call it all bombing Jabhat al-Nusra. Yeah. Uh, and Jabhat al-Nusra has finally woken up to this situation and felt, ooh, maybe, maybe it might be a good idea if we detached ourselves from al-Qaeda with this hanging over the horizon. Sure. Um, was there something you wanted to say? Yeah, I was yeah. just... Wa- Getting back- away from Turkey there, I'm <laughs> sure. Yeah, back, sure. back to the coup, I was just... I mean, you mentioned a uh, whole lot of military people being detained, but I'm just wondering um, what the feeling is with maybe some of your colleagues over in, in Turkey uh, in the kind of... Academia sphere. Oh, they're, yeah. they're, they're very, they're very nervous. Yeah. I mean, he's uh, the government uh, has has. I'm trying to think of the right word here. Has uh, had all deans in universities. One thousand five hundred deans have been required to give up their deanships. Um. And uh, 
And that's where I have a little bit of a problem. I can't imagine that all of these 1,500 people are Gulenists. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, yeah, obviously, seems to be a wider. each university will have its own opinions and yeah, have its and own some, connections. Some, some universities are linked with the with this sort of Gulenist secret society network, mm. um, which, of course, has, has, has visible has visible manifestations in terms of the school system that was being run by the Gulenists that's being targeted by the state now, uh, the universities that are linked to the Gulenists that have a lot of Gulenist input, personnel financing, that sort of thing. Uh, they are being targeted by the state. The Gulenist penetration of the bureaucracy and police and judiciary that I mentioned before being targeted by the state. But that every that that every faculty dean in Turkey is a Gulenist yeah. <laughs> seems seems quite a stretch. A but this is this has really um, got got academics very uh, um, nervous and unhappy and so forth, as you can imagine. My I on my and I do know people who who who, who are feeling very exposed, very mm. not that not that any of them are Gulenists, etc. Yeah. yeah, but they're feeling you know. So when, 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 who, who's, who's going to be the ultimate? Who, how far is this net going to yeah. go? Well, mm. that's the I thing. Mean, I mean, <laughs> what happens next when you're when you're locking up these? I mean, have I said anything in an email? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. etc. Yeah. 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 Um, so uh, apparently, uh, if this this applies to deans who are appointed by the by Yerk, the Higher Education Council. Uh, it seems that faculty deans, you know, deans for arts, sciences, that sort of thing, are appointed are not appointed by the universities themselves. They're, or their appointments are confirmed by the higher education authority, and they're the ones that the state can very quickly say, Go, you know, give up your jobs, give up your deanships until we decide otherwise, until well, we've investigated you and 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 determined that you're clean. Mm. This sort of thing, the, uh, but but deans that are appoint apparently deans that are appointed from within the university, like like for graduate schools and things, by the presidents of the universities or the rectors, um, they're not included in this. Okay. So so you know there's some there's some variation here. Uh, now the the level of the purges um, seem very pre-planned. You know uh, these yeah. some of these lists were already existing. Um, to, to be able to just cast the net this wide so quickly, um, it's it seems like a uh, a convenient sort of timing as opposed to just a genuine reactive approach. And yeah, my my feeling is that those lists have been prepared for some time because you know there is there is this there is this conspiracy. Th that's what I was going to get to. Yeah. It. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe Erdogan's people had a had a hand in precipitating this, the false flag this, theory. This. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't buy that at all. I think you can quite easily say, um, I mean, he was genuinely panicked. I think mm. in the first two or three hours, I think yeah. that showed in the CNN Turk. Yeah, yeah, the little uh, cell phone, the little <laughs> cell phone thing. I mean, he was genuinely panicked. <laughs> so, so, and, and the lists. As for the lists, um, they could have been. 
I mean, I'm, I'm sure that they had those lists ready for months and sure, even, sure. even longer. Yeah, and they'd used and them they, in they, the they, past they periodically. On op- at opportunity, they could be brought out yeah. straight away. Yeah, yeah. So but they weren't. They weren't specially. They weren't. Dra- I don't. They weren't drawn up in the immediate environment of the. <laughs> no, no. I mean, they. I think they already existed. Well, and so I think we've gotten to the the real uh, nugget of the situation here because there's this. You know, these competing possible matrices of. Um, situations how the coup arose and I think what you're saying is it was a genuine coup it wasn't an Erdogan false flag I believe it was a genuine coup but it probably wasn't high level connected to some foreign state or some parallel state and in many ways maybe uh, the lack of organization is kind of why it failed that you know Erdogan outmaneuvered them and they got cold feet yeah well he was a bit lucky uh, that his crowds turned out on cue Uh, and then they lost their nerve. For example, that they wouldn't. Well, there was the business of the plane going to Istanbul. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there's fighter jets in the air. You would have thought they, they would have shot it down. Yeah. There's a, there is one story that uh, I don't know the technicalities of this. That the pilot of Erdogan's plane changed the transponder setting or something. Oh, right. So that the plane registered as a Turkish Airlines plane. Oh, wow. Which, which deterred them from shooting at it. Something. I mean, I can't wait to of, see the movie. There are, all sorts of sto- there are all sorts of stories. There are all sorts of stories like well, this. One another, another thing that I think is really important to emphasize is that um, it, wasn't, it wasn't just Erdogan's people that came out against the coup. I mean, the, yeah, all the, the other whole political range parties. of political parties are host- is hostile to coups. Yeah. It wasn't just the Republican People's Party, the Nationalist Action Party, the... Um, the Kurdish-oriented party, the I mean the the People's Plural Democracy Party, uh, all those all those parties are absolutely against military coups. They've experienced themselves in the past. Uh, they didn't come out to support the government just because they were afraid of being put in a box if they didn't. They and their publics are genuinely against coups. That's an established thing now in Turkey, uh, particularly after the last 15 years or so. People do not in general do not want to have a coup they do not want to be salvaged from Erdogan by a coup so they all came out against 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 the coup uh, and I'm not sure the people who, tr- who 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 generated the coup entirely appreciated yeah, uh, yeah. That this is the mood right across the Turkish political spectrum yeah, they probably expected something like El Sisi's coup, when all, all these people came up onto the streets or something like that. But yeah, well, yes. Yeah, see, I mean, they what, so what they did. Some of them hoped that uh, the quite widespread popular mood, especially amongst the half of Turkey that's hostile to the AK Party. Yeah, yeah and the increasing be, authoritarianism sympathy there for a coup but they didn't lay the groundwork with those ngos and have an official social media strategy as we would have seen in say an arab spring i don't think those people would ever have come over to a coup anyway i think i think the the bulk the great bulk of turks i mean 90 percent are against coups do not want to see a coup and so quite that they're on one line with the Uk party. I mean, that's why we saw a shift away from coups in the 80s and 90s to Arab Spring type things. Now it's just not publicly palatable, <laughs> really, uh, to see the military yeah, strong this, arming in and there. This, and this wasn't the sort of um, postmodern coup that 
Well, yeah, this was old school. Was, this was old. This, this wasn't. <laughs> this wasn't sort of we'll we'll break a government by persuading members of its coalition partner to resign. Yeah, 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 and yeah. Form new parties. Yeah. And re- and take away its majority. This was block parliament. the bridges with tanks. Yes, this, yeah. is, this is bring out the tanks and bomb the parliament and uh, and attack the sec- attack the main security buildings and uh, yeah. One yeah. one other conspiracy theory I just wanted to touch on before we uh, go and have to get into the craziness of American politics. Um, you know this this Russian rapprochement seemed yeah. pretty significant. I mean, it was kind of out of left field. And then the coup was out of left field as well. And I guess, um, you know, just the the timing proximity of those leads, you know, cynical conspiratorial people. uh, I think the Russian thing was... Putin warned Erdogan was one headline that I saw. I think the Russians wanted to have this rapprochement as well. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, each to a degree wants it on their terms. But uh, Russia does want to sell gas. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, and the South Stream pipeline holiday. was canceled, but now it's back on again. Yeah, but and I mean, this gives a little bit of credence to the idea. I mean, if if Erdogan felt abandoned by Obama, you know, spilled all of his own blood and treasure uh, in into Syria and got nothing out of it except for uh, increasingly pissed off public, then yeah. he decides to cut his losses, go back with Russia, and reinitiate accu- the South everybody Stream. Everybody accusing him of being linked with ISIS and that sort of thing. Right, well, right, and especially in the Western media. So, so, so if he, I mean, if he really did um, have enough of a, you know, a mood change to be willing to apologize for shooting down the jet, and he was pretty conciliatory yeah. when in the past he had been totally not so. Um, I of mean, of course, the two the, the pilots of those of those Tur- of the Turkish plane that shot down the the jet have been now been accused of being part of the yeah, coup. Right? <laughs> oh my goodness! So, so the plot know, thickens. So, so yeah, they can say to I guess they can say to the Russians, well, you know, it wasn't really us after all. <laughs> yeah, now you see it. Yeah, it's these coup people. Now yeah, see, now you see it coming out. It was but, these, it was, was Fethullah Gulen who was being protected by Obama. If <laughs> if we're to see, you know, these uh, energy geopolitics. You know, through that lens, if Russia's willing to reinitiate South Stream, Turkey's apologizing for shooting down the plane. Where does that leave Syria? Doesn't that make it plausible uh, that Erdogan might have been given the ultimatum or be willing to cut his losses and try to get back I'm on track? Still, I'm still skeptical. I mean, it may turn out to be something like that. Like I said, who knows And the craziness we have on this planet. Um but I, I think, and the siege, the siege of Aleppo, which which nobody's taking any notice of, but mm. the regime has basically cut the last road, and the the rebel area of eastern Aleppo is now under siege. Although, one can't be entirely sure about how porous this is, uh, but nonetheless, it's a major development. Uh, and of course, Turkey, the Saudis, etc., have supplied a major amount of stuff. And Turkey has been the route for doing it. I don't know about how much stuff the Turks themselves have actually supplied, but certainly the Saudis and others have used that route mm. into northern Syria to supply the rebels with uh, Tau anti-tank yep. missiles and all that sort of thing. Um, the big a test here is what happens in Aleppo. I mean, uh, will we see in the next week or two a concerted sort of rebel push that that opens the place up again? And then you can say, well, the Turks are still online with the rebels mm. here. Or, yeah, or will they the, seal the border and just this, leave them? Well, I to, don't know. Yeah. I mean, we don't know what's happening as we speak. But this, 
as this unfolds over a week or two, this this Aleppo situation, that'll tell us where Turkey is. Mm. As if if Aleppo collapse, if if Eastern Aleppo collapses, the the regime has a triumphalist march. Bashar is crowing over all the media. Well, you'll say, well, maybe the Turks have given this up. Mm. Uh, but I don't. I think it's early to say that yet. And the reason I say it's early to say that yet is because logically Turkey would want to. If if you're dealing with this logically, I think <laughs> Turkey Turkey would want to continue to have a strong hand in Syria in its bargaining in its ongoing bargaining with the Russians. Right. So it wouldn't be logically in Turkey's interest just to give up the shop straight away like that. Yeah, because then they have no leverage. Or to commit themselves to the Russians that, oh, we're all on board with Bashar al-Assad, <laughs> no matter how many people he's had killed off and so yeah. forth. Yeah, um, I mean, we. I think we have to wait a bit because I th the logical thing is that the Turks would... Uh, would continue to maintain their links with the rebels would continue to supply as a sort of as a as a pressure on the russians uh to because the russian Get a situation deal. the russian situation in syria is not entirely convenient to the russians yeah i mean they've been bothered about not being able to about having some because they haven't had an understanding with the americans about jabhat and nusra for example the russians have felt a bit constrained uh, and the Russians themselves are not sure where this whole Syrian show is going. Nobody's nobody's making really big inroads against ISIS. I mean, the the the, the Munbij that people talk about this route from Turkey to Raqqa, uh, which I, I I I think is a thing of the past now. But the the Americans have been promoting the PYD Kurds in northern Syria to attack this town of Munbij, where they're getting nowhere fast. It seems. I mean, there's a, they've been doing this for weeks and weeks and weeks against ISIS, uh, and it hasn't got anywhere. The regime tried. The Syrian regime tried to mount a probe against ISIS from south of Raqqa. ISIS pulled out some of its stuff. The regime. The regime crowd fled, fled even with Russian air cover. Mm. Uh, so and and down in Palmyra, ISIS has still not been pushed back all that far beyond Palmyra, and it seems even able to mount raids into the town of Palmyra. And anyway, the regime taking back Palmyra was completely dependent on Russian air cover and the support of Shia, Shia militias from Iraq, coordinated by Iran, etc. Um, so the Russians, the Russians know that the regime. Whatever whatever advantages it, it it acquires here and there is an impala state. I mean, it has very difficult manpower situation. Its its military infrastructure appears to be quite exhausted, uh, and the Russians don't know where that's going to end up. Mm. Um, the, I mean, the, over over years, over another couple of years, whatever temporary gains they make here and there, and then lose again six months down the track. And the Russians can't be sure of that this regime won't fall apart anyway, yeah. regardless of what they put into it. Mm. Uh, so, um, so the Russian the Russian position is not is not entirely solid in Syria. I would. They've got to hedge their bets. And they have problems with Assad. Yeah. 
I mean, uh, I mean, they they don't want to hear this guy going on about conquering all of <laughs> yeah, Syria, etc. Yeah, yeah. The Russians, the Russians want to be one of the prime patrons of a diplomatic settlement. Yeah, and to be on the top stage there with with the American administration, whatever we're talking about as regards the American administration, because you know this one's <laughs> yeah. this one's only got a few months. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's a lame duck, and that and Kerry looks like that. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, sitting alongside Lavrov. Yeah. Um, and uh, and that's what the Rus- the Russians want to be the king kingpins joint kingpins in this settlement. And Assad Assad is not being terribly convenient in the sort of things he says and the sort of attitudes he has. Yeah. And he has a hold over the Russians because the Russians have made such an investment in him. Yeah. That gives him a reverse hold, and also because um, they say, well, the Russians say. We're we're the only people linked up with the legitimate authorities of Syria, yeah. and they can they can say that, and some people can sign on to it, because of course Bashar al-Assad was there before 2011, but if Bashar al-Assad disappears, that logic that that line of argument about having legitimacy that nobody else has the Russian that Russian line of argument without Assad without Bashar al-Assad that falls by the wayside. Yeah. So he's got that over them as well. They can't readily go and find a replacement for him. Sure. Uh, and I don't think there's a, any replacement readily available. He, he and his immediate people are quite good of good at getting rid of people. <laughs> yeah. Look, any challenger might look like replacements. Uh, yeah. And so the Russians, the Russians are not in an entirely convenient situation here. So and and so the, you would expect the Turks to want to hang on to their cards. Yeah. With the opposition, with the rebel forces. To make sure that they get a decent deal in 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 Syria out of the Russians. Well, and if one so thing's been made really clear uh, this morning, I guess it's that um, you know Erdogan's changed his mind before he can change it again. And the friend of my enemy is not necessarily my enemy, and the enemy of my enemy is not necessarily my friend. Yeah, I mean his 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 impetus. I mean, I'm just going by what we see. Erdogan's impetus seems to be towards wanting to be a a, a very strong have a, have the constitution changed so that there is a presidential powers are located in the presidency. It's a bit inconvenient from him at, for him at the moment because technically the prime minister right. has the executive powers and the president is ceremonial. Now he's overridden that in informal terms by changing the prime minister to who right. he saw well, fit. <laughs> because because he dominates the party the prime minister has to come from because they have the majority in parliament. Yeah. And so and he completely dominates that party and so can choose the prime minister and boss around the prime minister even when the prime minister has those executive powers. Yeah. But there might come a less convenient day. Yeah. And he wants to change the constitution so that those executive powers are actually shifted to the presidency. Uh and that seems to be his whole that seems to be his his single line of track at the moment. I mean, I'm just going by what we see. Yeah. Uh, he wants those powers. He he wants to be in a position where he basically bosses around everybody else in the Turkish political structure. Um, and and a, and anything anything that will fit with that in foreign policy terms, he may be prepared to try on. Well, I think the the takeaway from this is watch this space, and I yeah. hope you don't have any plans for retirement anytime soon, because <laughs> you're going to be in a job for quite a while. Uh, those humanities cuts won't even come close to you. Uh, <laughs> 
Fingers crossed. Well, thanks so much for joining us, uh, Professor well, Harris. Yeah. We always love talking to you about this. I can't believe that the situation has gone on this long or gotten this crazy. I mean, you know, five, six years ago when we started these interviews, I don't think anyone could have predicted that. And I'm looking forward, uh, you know, with some sense of foreboding, but also a little bit of excitement to see what happens next. I mean, you have to say, uh, I mean, if you'd be, if we went back eight or ten years and you said to people Aleppo for example we partially flattened and there'll be major hostilities going on around Aleppo involving major powers people would have laughed at you yeah. people would have absolutely laughed at you if you had if you had said that that was that northern Syria was going to be the military the military core of the Middle East uh, and people, people would think you were nuts. You would be locked. You would have been locked away. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, all the, the the train of events that we've seen is just extraordinary over the last over the last five or five or six years. Well, uh, some of it could have been seen coming. I mean, the Arab Spring stuff. I mean, the the lid was obviously going to blow off the Arab world sooner or later, or parts of the Arab world, because of the total non-satisfaction of the populations in various senses. Uh, and the character of those dictatorships, something so the lid, but the way in which the lid is blown, and where that's led to in Syria, and then spilling into Iraq as well, and the emergence of of the ISIS that we have, etc., and and of course all the all the manoeuvres etc. we've seen in in neighbouring state like Turkey, uh, you just couldn't have no nobody nobody would have foreseen. So that 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 brings you to the point of saying what what. Looking five, six, seven years down the track from now, can we possibly forecast yeah. anything? Yeah. <laughs> well, and uh, very shortly we're going to be attempting to speak to someone on the floor of the Democratic Convention. So the craziness, uh, you know, it's happening all around, as you mm. said. Well, um, yeah, we're just going to have to watch and wait. But we thank you for joining us. Uh, well, thanks and for having me. 